Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who's striving to play advanced level works one day. Specifically, Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every week, we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 23.2, the second episode in a series titled Parisian Daydreams, which is like the musical version of the Tour de France, where we're listening to dreamy pieces by some of the biggest names in French music. Last week, we encountered two pieces from Debussy, arguably the most famous Impressionist composer of them all. This week, we're going to hear a work from someone whose name may not be as instantly recognized, but was still a powerhouse composer at the time, Gabriel Faure. He was born on May 13, 1845, in Pommier, France, which puts him 17 years Debussy's senior. Gabriel was a precocious child, inventing tunes and accompanying Gregorian chants on piano at the age of only six years old. Imagining my own child putting down an iPad long enough to listen to a Gregorian chant just makes me laugh. How far we've come in a mere 200 years. His teachers at school instantly recognized the boy's musical talent, and they talked his father into sending him to a music school in Paris. He studied the old German and Italian masters at the school, and was taught by an impressive staff of teachers, including French composer of the Carnival of Animals fame, Camille Sassons. The first major job that Foray landed after school was as an organist at the Church of Notre Dame de Clignancourt, which is not to be confused with the ultra-famous hunchback hangout, the Notre Dame de Paris. But this work was cut short when the Franco-German War broke out in 1870, and Foray actually enlisted in the infantry, which is a unique life experience for a famous composer. After the war, his old teacher, Sansons, hired Foray as a substitute to preside as the chief organist at La Madeleine while he was away on tour, which happened to be fairly often. This is the period where Foray first started to seriously compose. He also fell in love. In 1877, Foray proposed to Marianne Vardot, the love of his young life. For reasons that are not entirely clear, Miss Vardot broke Foray's poor tender heart and broke off their engagement. Gabriel was devastated. In order to clear his head and take his mind off of the heartbreak, Sansons invited him to come to Germany 
a place Foray envisioned as a personal mecca. As a student, he spent years studying the great German composers, and he regarded Bach as the center of the musical universe, so he found Germany a well of inspiration. Saint-Saëns also used his clout to introduce Foray to the great Franz Liszt, who just so happened to regard the work of Foray very highly, much to his surprise. In 1883, Foray, who was fully healed of his first heartbreak, married the daughter of celebrated artist Emmanuel Fremier and entered the second phase of his compositional career, the period of calm domestic bliss. This was a time of great focus and productivity for Foray, where he remained with his closely knit inner social circle and wrote nonstop including works for chamber, orchestra, piano, and even songs. Camille Benoit wrote a foray that, If one wishes to cite the French musician who possesses in the highest degree a particular genius for intimate music or orchestral music, it is foray who should be named in the very first rank. Foray wrote a variety of works for the piano, including impromptus, Barcarolles, nocturnes, and waltzes. But it is his songs that are best remembered and revered. He had a knack for angsty lyrics, a proclivity for minor keys, and he savored a good harmony, which set him apart from his contemporaries and successfully won him public approval. Because of this, I find it only fitting that we listen to one of Foray's songs in this episode. And to fit the theme of the series, we're going to check out a song by the name of Apre un Rev, or After a Dream. Apre un Rev comes from Foray's Opus 7, which was a collection of three melodies, this being the first in the work. It was written sometime around 1877, which corresponds with the time that his first engagement was broken off. Some interpret the meaning of this song to be a man who lost the love of his life, as it essentially describes a passionate love dream. However, in the last verse, the dreamer wakes up to face the harsh light of day. One of the final lyrics at the climax is, Alas, alas, sad awakening from dreams, I call you, O night, give me back your lies. It perfectly captures that moment when you do not want to wake up from that really good dream. You know the kind I'm talking about. Foray leaned a bit on the sad, minor side of life, and this song is no exception. Foray writes Apre un Rev in C minor, the key of lovesickness. Declarations of love and lamenting lost love are unhappy relationships. It's languishing and full of longing, a soul in search of something different. Bullseye. I love it when the key descriptions are dead on. This is a floating, beautiful melody that could almost be mistaken for an operatic aria. The left hand steadily drums out chords imitating the sound of a heartbeat. 
while the right hand gracefully floats up and down, intermixing triplet rhythms throughout. Opera Un Rev has been praised as one of the most eloquent melodies ever written, and its popularity has lent itself to be arranged to many instruments, most notably the cello. But even though this is a piano podcast, and we're about to hear my piano solo version of the piece, I think it's important to at least sample the music as it was intended to be heard, as a song, sung by a voice. The singer starts off sweetly and softly, emulating the atmosphere of a perfect dream. And this silky melody is how a majority of the song will sound, until we reach the climax, when the dreamer, tragically, wakes up. After the initial shock of waking up, the song utilizes its minor key to full effect by ending the piece with almost a sad, pathetic lament for the dream to come back. Suggesting that after the dream is a sad place to be. This is the piano version of Gabriel Faure's Opera Un Rev.
So while Gabriel Fauré may not exactly qualify as Impressionism, this was still an example of how dreamy French music can be. Next week, we're going to jump back into something more explicitly Impressionistic with a piece by Maurice Ravel. Talk to you then. You can find the standalone recordings of the piece we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or reviewing. It's also the easiest way to never miss a new episode and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember, the piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind.